0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24 7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: The Steelers Standard crew, Tom Opperman and Jacob Recht, are filling in for Euler and Motes today. Euler's a big wig. He's over at Acroshore. You know, he's got to do a bunch of stuff, test things out. We got a game coming up, folks, all right? We got to make sure that all of our I's are dotted and T's are crossed before we officially get this ship out to sea next Saturday at Heinz Field. The Seahawks visit 7 o'clock kickoff. So preseason debut is just right around the corner. We got Friday Night Lights though tonight, Jacob. Want to make sure anybody listening that's planning on heading up knows uh, gates open at 5 o'clock at La Trobe Memorial Stadium. So make sure you get there and get a good seat or lined up on the fences because at 7 o'clock is listed as that is the official starting time of practice. But that's when the autograph session starts. So if you're up If you want to get, you know, TJ Watt, make Fitzpatrick, sign footballs, helmets, whatever merchandise you have, get there early, make sure you're ready and in a good position for seven o'clock because then the players will come around and share some autographs. So a lot of fun will be had tonight up at La Trobe Memorial Stadium for the uh, traditional Friday night lights practice for the Steelers. And, you know, uh, Coach Cower implemented this practice and... Talking to Labs, as I do every morning for the training camp report here, and he was saying, you know, this was a good way, or in Cowher's mind, to get players acclimated to football games happening, football happening at different times throughout the day. You know, you don't always have a 1 o'clock kickoff week 1 through week 18 when the season starts, so... Why would you just have one fifty-five p.m. practice every single day for a month straight and have players used to the same routine? You need to change it up a little bit. Give them a little bit of a night practice so you can kind of simulate that. Hey, we're on Sunday night football this week. Let's get the lights turned on. Let's get the atmosphere really juiced up. So, uh, I just there's so many great things you know, not. On the field, that this brings to the Steelers Nation community and uh, the Latrobe community, but on the field too, there's also some tangible. Hey, this is you know part of getting your body and getting your mind right for the rigors of a season.
0: Yeah, I I think it is exciting. To have a little bit of a switch up, and you need that because you get
1: on a bus, you move, but you know, they've been doing the same thing now for over a week. Right. Same I mean, day,
0: you heard we heard from the players when they first arrived to camp, they were a little nervous because let's not forget, out of the what 90 guys on this team, I think only 20 or 25 have actually had a St. Vincent experience beforehand or before this year. They were a little nervous. They were told, "Yeah, there's really not much to do. You can't really leave campus. There's an eleven o'clock curfew. That's a it's pretty much, uh, sh- that's pretty strict on a majority of the guys, except for really the veterans." Right. It's 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 a different experience than you're gonna get for from most NFL teams. I think the Steelers are what only one of three or four. I think Carolina still does the the off. Out of, or out of town practice. Dallas, I know. Still, does. Dallas still does it. But yeah, it's it's a very so few small, and far yeah. now. So it's a really unique experience. So it is good to switch it up. And you know, it's the first someone mentioned it to me. Uh, it's really like the first time since high school where they're getting on a bus to to go somewhere to to be under the lights. Right, every other time that they're showing up for an NFL game or even a college game, that's a prime time. In a prime time slot, you know they're they're being charted on a plane, even if they're in college, especially the guys coming from a power five school. I don't know about some of the smaller small, excuse me, some of the guys coming from smaller schools, Uh, but yeah, this is a real switch up, and I think it's 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 accepted warmly by the guys because I think at this point now you're you're two weeks in. Maybe you're experiencing a little bit of cabin fever. You really want to see, even if you're just going down what Route 30 or, or going up Route 30, it's it's a di- it's a change of scenery, and maybe that can kind of get the get the juices flowing again. Just a, a switch up when you've had such. Co- constant familiarity with the same routine for the last two weeks.
1: Well, I'm sure it's going to be packed tonight at La Trobe Memorial Stadium. People are definitely eager to get a good look at the Steelers quarterback situation, although they might not like what they see. Uh, we ended last hour talking about uh, that in depth, and then we ended saying, you know, there's ways that you can get by with below-the-line quarterback play. You see it from around the league. Um, I wanted to point at San Francisco as an example, but then in my head I was like, Yeah, compared to the rest of the league, that's below the line quarterback play. But compared to the situation that the Steelers look like they have here, you'd kill for a guy like Jimmy G right now. So uh, I don't know if there's really a perfect example you can point to, but the personnel that surrounds the quarterback on the Steelers offense is certainly capable of carrying it and maybe hiding that quarterback. And I obviously think it starts with the running back position. Hopefully we see Najee Harris return to the practice field today uh, in front of the big crowd at Latrobe Stadium and, and put on a decent show because, man, I think that if he can get to that next level and really put himself in the categories of a Chubb and a Henry and a Taylor then you can really masterfully hide your quarterback, play action your quarterback a lot, make life a ton easier for him. Or, hey, just simply not use your quarterback. We're late in the fourth quarter trying to close out a game. Hand off, hand off, hand off, hand off, hand off, hand off, hand off again, and just milk that clock down because Najee can't stop getting four to five yards a carry. So it starts, there's other elements that we'll get into, but it starts, I think, with number 22. To have a successful offense, to successfully Hide your quarterback or, for a better word, make life a lot easier for your quarterback. you got to have Najee step to that next level, to that elite tier in the running back department.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to point out something that we, we touched on very briefly last segment about the leadership. I think it's pretty clear that Najee is the leader for this offense whether it's on the field or off the field. This guy just seems to be a football guy. That's what we've heard. Really, ever since he was drafted by the Steelers in 2021's off season. he just lives and breathes football. He's obviously very charismatic. The media loves him. The fans love him. Someone pointed out yesterday the crowd was chanting Najee Harris. He, Najee, Najee. He just goes, what? What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. It was, It was a pretty funny interaction that you could, you could get out of a guy who really wasn't even participating in a practice. But, yeah, everything – I don't think there's a person out there who follows the sport of football that isn't expecting number 22 to be the face of this offense, which, honestly, Tom, I'm excited for because we saw how good of a season he had last year, nearly double-digit touchdowns, uh, 1,600 yards total on the ground and through the air. However, though, I may – it does worry me slightly just because – Offensive or, or sorry, opposing defenses are fully aware now, right? And in, and in, in 2021, there was a tendency of Najee to be the star. However, the Steelers would shy away from him and just have Ben Roethlisberger throw what 50 passes? I yeah. think he did one game. That isn't going to be an option this year, I don't think. I don't. There, there's no reason for whoever's throwing the ball, whether it's Mason or maybe you know what it was? It was what I'm thinking of. It was in that Detroit tie where, what, Mason threw 48 passes. I mean, you're you're in a slog. Yeah, that's tough, the to, backup, that's tough to explain. You're the backup quarterback. You have Najee Harris at your disposal, and you let Mason Rudolph throw nearly 50 passes. That was the questionable decision. I think one of the more questionable decisions of, of the 2021 offense. Now, though, I think with Najee Harris really being established and just having so many better options on the offense overall, there's really no need to – to rest Najee. There's really no need to to say to Najee, oh, I don't really want to draw up a play or draw up a scheme or draw up a, a two-minute drill here without Najee getting involved. I think Najee needs to get involved. However, I think now in year two, you know, a big, a big test for, for second-year guys is can you adjust to the rest of the league adjusting to you?
1: Najee's going to get a ton of workload this year Mm -hmm. I know that they've said we want to take our foot off the gas a little bit when it comes to him easier said than done it's going to be really hard to take him out of games when he's dominating and playing at such an elite level but it is important to find a second a third running back and you know running backs that can be on the field at the same time with Najee and do a little bit more of that you know modern NFL offense stuff a lot of motion a lot of jet sweeps with a lot of athletic guys on the field and You've seen the Steelers really throw a lot of stuff at the wall there. You've obviously had the incumbents in Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, but you go out and you get Jeremy McNichol, who's been dealing with an injury, so that's tough for him to see to, to hear for him. Uh, undrafted rookie like Jalen Warren has been turning a lot of heads. Master Teague emerged onto the scene yesterday, a guy who's had a lot of experience playing big-time football at Ohio State and playing in college football playoffs. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that the Steelers are really, you know, taking a good long look at, but the one that seems to be jumping out among the rest, and this is not a good sign for the Benny Snells and the Anthony McFarlane's of the world, but Jalen Warren, I don't want to say we got ourselves another Steamboat Willie situation here because he ain't going to supplant Najee and be Willie Parker, but as far as an undrafted free agent goes, he is turning a lot of heads, and I would not be surprised to see Jalen Warren end up number two, number three on this depth chart come opening day with a helmet in hand.
0: Right. So I had mentioned earlier that George Pickens has been the star or the twilight of everyone's eye at training camp so far. But I mentioned, too, everyone has their their phenom guys where you're undrafted or you're just signed to the practice squad and you start to turn heads. And I think without question, Jalen Warren is at the top of that list, regardless of offense or defense. Tom, I mean, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think Anthony McFarland is actually having a better camp than some expected him to. He's now He now actually has a training camp, right? Whereas when he came in, uh, what was it? He came in in 2020 as a rookie, or was it even 2019, he had 2020 with no training camp. And then in 2021 he was injured for all of training camp the entire preseason. So he didn't really get that ability to work his way up to being ready for the regular season. So I think now, having that opportunity, he is doing better than some would anticipate. But absolutely, Jalen Warren, I mean, you have Derek Watt, you have Connor Hayward both vying for maybe a a possible fullback position. But uh, when Jeremy McNichols went down and, and the Steelers had to bring in a new body and they brought in Master Teague, I mean, yeah, he's only been on the team for two days, but Mateo Turan has been around. It really yeah, has been. Yeah, that's another
1: good call. Mateo Durant's the guy I totally forgot to mention. There's so many of them.
0: There are, and it's it's without question, Jalen Warren is the one he who separated has. separated a bit, yeah. Yes, and I think more so, as as you mentioned, to a degree than Benny Snell. I think just because he's been around for so long, Benny is it's, it's kind of like the Mason effect. you were with Kenny Pickett in a way where Mason and... and and uh, and Benny have both been around, so maybe Benny gets a nod for being the number two guy. Except the difference between Jalen Warren and Kenny Pickett fighting for the roster spot is Jalen Warren was undrafted. Kenny Pickett was taken in, in the number in the, in the first round. Kenny Pickett has struggled a little bit in these first two weeks, whereas Jalen Warren really. There isn't someone here who I, I Jalen Warren was undrafted, right there. There was only a handful of people who could really identify and say, oh, number thir- without looking at their cheat sheet, number 30, that's Jalen Warren, right? Well, now, now they know. Yeah. Now everyone knows, number is in the field, something exciting could possibly happen with Jalen Warren.
1: Yeah, I think right now it shakes out. Najee's your one, obviously. Snell would be your two, and then your number three would probably be Jalen Warren heading into Cincinnati, as it stands right now. Yeah, And, and I it's do. Obviously a lot of change can happen. McNichol can come back healthy and look really good, and he takes that three spot, no problem. But right now, I think that's where it Stands.
0: Yeah, and I have no problem with that. And Tom, honestly, as the season unfolds, I'd love to see whenever Najee needs a break here and there. When you talk about a Warren be
1: the spell guy, Snell be the guy if Najee's out long term. Is that right? If you
0: have, if you need a change of pace back, I think Jalen Warren is the much better option to keep the offense flowing, but provide a different kind of a running back feature. And Jalen Warren versus when you put Benny Snell out there, as you said, Benny can just kind of be out there and, and just take all the hits that are absorbed by a running back in the long term. I think Jalen Warren's a much better. You come in, you fill in for two plays in the offense. Is not going to just say, oh, well, because Jalen Warren's out there, there's no way he's getting the ball.
1: We got to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. We sure. got to give them a lot of credit because Absolutely. they have been the darlings of camp so far. They've right. looked I mean, we... great. This is the that's the DNA of the team this year is defense first. So, you know, we've been all doom and gloom on a lot of these shows about how bad the offense looks. Well, the plan all along was great defense and that's what we've gotten so far.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we've spent the first what four segments talking about the offense. Well, that's because
1: it's the most troublesome part. Of it's... course,
0: and that just and it also goes to show that they're really they're, they're, the only question marks on the defense are just the guys waiting to get back. We know Minka had his first practice yesterday. He'll he'll return again tonight. We're still waiting for guys like Tyson Alawalu, Larry Ogunjobi. We're going to get those players back, and the fact that the defense has played so well without all of them to this point can only mean that this defense is going to improve once they get all 11 starters out there.
1: Yeah, so we'll give some shine to the defense on the other side of the break, and Talk about a newcomer to the defensive side of the ball that has looked really, really damn good so far in the early goings of camp. That's all on the way next as the Steelers Blitz marches on right here on Steelers Nation Radio.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold,
1: SNR. Tom Offerman and Jacob Reck from the Steelers Standard here filling in for the Steelers Blitz today. Day nine of training yep. camp practices today. I lose track like crazy, Jacob. All these days are blending together. You have but- no
0: idea what it's like being here. <laughs> you're you're You have no sense of time whatsoever. I just I just go by time in a day, not by days as a week.
1: Well, day nine of practice is a special day of practice, though, because it is Friday Night Lights tonight at La Trobe Memorial Stadium. Gates open at 5. Autograph session and practice starts at 7, so it'll be a lot of fun over at La Trobe Memorial Stadium tonight. We've done all offense so far to start the show. I mean, naturally, they're struggling. Deontay got a new contract. It's just the way it worked. It's the way it worked out in our fill-in day here on the Steelers Blitz. But I want to get into some defensive stuff. Like I mentioned before we went to break, Everybody was pinning their hopes on elite defense this year. You win this year as a Steelers team by playing great defense and running the football on offense. So far, so good as far as the defense is concerned, especially that run defense. It looks much improved. Haven't been able to really see the excuse me, defensive line at full strength to help out that run defense with Ogunjobi and Alu-Alu yet to practice. We're hoping that that comes any day now. But it's been number fifty one that's been carrying the day as far Absolutely. as who has been much more improved in the run defense him. I know it's early and you haven't seen Najee much and the offensive line for the Steelers looks like it's gonna be a lot easier to play against than most of the National Football League offensive lines that this defense will go up against. But my God, as Miles Jack checked every box that you as a fan, as a coach, as as a front office member that signed him, wanted him to check in the early going. We need this guy to come in and be a better athlete in the middle of the field. We need him to help stop our run. And man, has he really shown that he can do both so far.
0: I want to tune into one word that you used early. And a good friend of ours and and your co-host of Ask and Answer, Bob Labriola, hates that word when used or when applied in, in training camp because it's always early when you're talking about stuff in training camp. However, I do think Laz will agree that based off of observations on all of our parts, that Miles Jack, I don't care how early it is, Miles Jack has just taken this inside linebacker position to the level where you expected it to be when Devin Bush was drafted in 2019. When Devin was a rookie in 2019, I think everybody got excited to think that, okay, we've been... And at that point, it was such a short turnaround from the Ryan year injury to the time that Devin Bush was drafted. But it was people were saying, "Great, we've it's it's unfortunate we, that we lost Ryan, but here we are with Devin." And then he goes down with injury in 2020, and then he comes back and has a very mediocre 2021 season alongside a mediocre teammate in Joe Schobert. But the way we're talking about Miles Jack today, Tom, is nowhere near the way we were talking about. Joe Schobert or Devin Bush last year. We, we, we were just waiting on pins and needles for Devin Bush just to make sure that he was okay to, to come back last year. And Joe Schobert was at least an upgrade from Avery Williamson and Robert Spleen in 2020. But here we are in 2022. Miles Jack, I think has uh, we've we've talked about a lot of stars uh, through training camp. George Pickens has been the offensive star uh, that everyone was expecting him to be. We talked about Jalen Warren being the unexpected guy at running back to really make his name known among this on this team. But defense, I think it's no question. Miles Jack was brought in for this reason. Yes, Miles Jack just will absolutely or has. So far, elevated the inside linebacker position to a level where we were truly concerned of its productivity or, or or its capabilities. Whenever the decision was made to let go of Joe Sherbert, we had no idea the direction it would go. in with just Devin Bush and Robert Spillane left there, so it is it is a huge sigh of relief, I think, to see Miles Jack excelling so far through the first two weeks.
1: Yeah, and I think he's clearly ascended himself to LB1 as yes, far as the inside absolutely. linebackers are concerned. You and, know.
0: you know, maybe that's a good thing for Devin Bush. I think it he, is. You know, To be LB2.
1: Good thing for Devin Bush, maybe. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. You spent draft capital to move sure. up into the top ten sure. to get a linebacker two. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a little concerning. If they can both play like linebacker ones, then all of a sudden, you know, I really like what that inside linebacking unit looks like. But as far as, you know, who's probably going to be on the field all three downs, who's probably barely going to be part of the rotation if there is a rotation between Spillane and Bush, Jack is just going to be ever present in that inside linebacking spot. And Mm -hmm. it seems like he has completely grabbed that number one role and that lead dog role. And I know that there's been guys that haven't been, you know, participating that are stars. Minka Fitzpatrick uh, certainly comes to mind. And then you've got fringe guys like Alu Alu and Ogunjobi who can be some significant playmakers in that front. But, I mean, the big three so far at camp, obviously Watt has looked the best out of probably anybody across the board, and that's to be expected. (laughs) Cam Hayward has obviously looked like Cam Hayward. But then it's Miles Jack. Miles Jack has been the other part of that big three that's looked a step above the rest, and we talk about how that defense has elite level members at each level: Hayward, elite; Watt, elite; Fitzpatrick, elite. If Miles Jack can tap into some more potential and get to that, or get close to that elite range, and you can add almost, or you can add a fourth member to of that defense to that elite category, or at least close to that elite category. I think you're absolutely going to trend in the right direction as far as improving not just the run defense, but your total defense overall this year.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Miles Jack, we all know that this week, starting Monday, this past week was the first day of pattern practices. And Miles Jack was absolutely amped to get into contact football. Tackle football, I believe is the term that Mike Tomlin used when addressing the team before the first seven shots on on Monday afternoon. And Devin... Sorry, not Devin Bush. Miles Jack absolutely was over the moon excited to get into it. This is just a physical guy, Tom. I mean, you talk about...
1: The body craves contact with him.
0: You talk about impact upon contact. Miles Jack, when whether it's in seven shots or the one-on-one battles, which to me personally, Tom, has been my favorite... uh, my favorite drill as an observer here, it's it's when you just have an offensive lineman against a defensive guy, it doesn't really have to be a, a defensive lineman, it could be a linebacker, could be an edge rusher like TJ or Highsmith, and there's just a guy, whether it's Najee or it's a quarterback, just kind of idling to wait to see if the lineman can really protect properly. And Miles Jack, whether it's in seven shots or in those one-on-ones, has drawn contact as much as he possibly can. He and whenever he is in on those one-on-ones, he usually does get the better of whoever is in whoever is assigned against him as the protector for the running back or for the quarterback. But getting to your point of, about the physicality of him, I I just think that once the pads came on it on Monday, I think a lot of I think a lot of guys were not not necessarily apprehensive, but it was just kind of another day for them saying, okay, here we are. I know I'm going to get some contact here, but it's not going to be totally different. This is still training camp. This is still we're not trying to hurt each other here. This isn't real football. I think Miles Jack was one of the very few people who has that kind of edge in him to say, I don't care what day it is in the off season. If I'm told I'm allowed to tackle, I'm going to tackle you. And I think that's been a, a a great thing for people to see out of him because you need someone at that inside linebackers position to 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 complement T J Watt and Alex Highsmith and the defensive lineman as an additional pass rusher because we know how much the the, the the overall run defense have struggled, specifically at the inside linebacker position. So I think Really, even though it's early, as Labs likes to say, it's early, but I do think what we've seen out of Miles Jack so far has been stellar, has been, I think, more than what we expected.
1: I, I can't help but um, think that the Robert Spillane being worked in with the first team opposite of Jack, sometimes he's spelled Jack, too, and it's been Spillane and Bush, but for mm-hmm. the most part, it's been Jack and Spillane or Jack and Bush. I can't help but think that it's moved beyond, if it ever was, just trying to light and fire under Devin Bush. And maybe it's, again, to use that buzzword, too early to read too much into that still. But I kind of think that they're starting to give him more and more of a legitimate look, not to supplant Bush completely as a starter, but are we better off going as a rotation with 55 and 41 opposite of 51? Or... It does 41 present us a lot better uh, uh, of an advantage on early downs on rundowns than Devin Bush would and do we simply just have to put him out there you know initially I thought this was just Devin Bush has struggled through his early part of his career the rubbers kind of meet the road with him this year did not pick up his fifth year option obviously so he's kind of playing for a contract now let's light a fire under his butt to start this training camp period hey It's not just the Jack and Bush show. you you got to hold off Robert Spillane. I think it's moved on a little bit beyond that, and it might have never been that in the first place. It might have legitimately been a, hey, let's try this rotation out uh, plan from the coaches, and i got to be honest with you. I think Robert Spillane deserves a ton of credit. When he came in to fill in for Devin Bush uh, initially a couple years ago, we all thought the team was going to fall into shambles, and it didn't exactly, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows from that point on, but it didn't fall into shambles either, and he showed that he belongs in the NFL, and he's gotten better ever since then, and he is now a legitimate spot on this Steelers roster. I mean, there's no threat of him uh, not seeing playing time at all this year and not being a a solid member of that defense. Uh, I think there is a legit shot that you'll see Spillane on the field not uh, – not that the snaps that Spillane gets won't be far behind the snaps that Bush gets. I think that that's a legit possibility.
0: And I think that is twofold. I, as you pointed out, I think it has to do with both maybe trying to light that fire under Devin Bush, but also the packages the Steelers were going out with. Robert Spillane is just the better fit for those, for those looks, for those defensive schemes. And, you know, as, as someone who follows this team, you, you kind of, that's a tough pill to swallow if that will be the case, if Robert Spillane will be at the end of the year in terms of snaps, LB inside linebacker two above Devin Bush because of the draft capital you used to acquire him. But if Tom, I mean, that's somehow the way the cards are are dealt. If Devin Bush really is just not the right fit for certain – for certain schemes and Robert Spillane is your better option, I'm not going to say put Devin Bush out there just because he was taken with a top 10 pick or or moving up to acquire him in the first round. you got to do what's best for your team. And if Robert Spillane at this point in certain looks or in certain defensive packages is better to play alongside Miles Jack, then that's what the team has to do.
1: Well, certainly the position that's the best for this team is T.J. Watt, an outside linebacker. He's looked like the best player across the board at camp so far, disrupting the offense. He was asked in a little presser that he did with the media, I think, two days ago, um, did the, you ever plan on you know letting the offense get a playoff here or there when it comes to training <laughs> camp? And he kind of chuckled and you know, did the, the normal answer. of oh, Yeah, defense has been looking really, really good. Yeah. But you know, deep down, he's smiling, hardcore saying, oh, yeah, we're dominating that, that side of the ball early on. And that's, that's exactly what that defense wants. And that's what should be expected, man. I mean, they have the, the more talents on that side of the ball and the more veteran presences on that side of the ball as well.
0: I'll say this. I think my favorite moment of training camp so far through eight practices was, uh, I, I don't know what day it was. I think it was actually on Saturday, which is great because of the crowd that was here. The the, the biggest crowd to date uh, for the 2022 training camp. It was fifteen or seventeen thousand people, and I and the, think, the
1: uh, population of Latrobe since like twenty twenty, <laughs> by the way, is seven thousand. So they added about ten grand that day.
0: And the offense was doing third down drills, uh, and so for those who can't, who don't really know what that is, that's just the the third down marker is out there, and they're just trying to get whatever yardage scenario that they have to go to get that first down. And they'll just run a bunch of different plays. They'll run a bunch of different yards to yards to go and at one point uh i think it was just a a a short out route pass but tj read it 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 reminded me of the play where it was against cleveland and baker threw that pass that that short slant to the out and tj read it all the way where he swatted it down and and then he said you're you're too short man you're too short but here what happened was tj read it even better picked it off and again it was a third down shot so they were on I think the Steelers were on their lined up on their own 20 or their own 15 as if it was uh right after the kickoff so he just trotted right into the end zone with no effort and he took the ball and literally just punted it into the stands everyone was everyone was just amazed that he was able to to read that play that well and then everyone was clapping for him for the theatrics after but yeah it's it's Something that I said earlier when I was talking about Cam Hayward, it's almost unfair to go up in training camp against a guy like Cam Hayward, against a guy like TJ Watt, because they are the best at their position league wide and here they are going up against guys who are number ninety, number eighty nine, or even even if you want to say a little bit higher, number sixty, number sixty one on the roster, in terms of getting to that number fifty three spot where the time the final cuts come, TJ Watt's gonna dominate every single one of them. So it is funny to see him dominate so easily. Except you just you, the question that I was asked of him: Can't you just let this team just operate normally? He goes, "It's not. It's not in my DNA. I, I'm gonna go. If I'm gonna be out there, I'm gonna try. I I have to try." So it it is funny to see him make that joke, but that is the struggle that this offense is dealing with to go up. And I think it's a great test, honestly, too. It's it's so advantageous to an offense to have a guy like TJ Watt on your defense go up to go up against because in the regular season you're not going to see a single guy dominate like TJ does.
1: Nope, TJ has certainly been TJ in the early going here of Steelers training camp. We come back, we got some bad news that we got to deliver as far as the Steelers secondary is concerned, and we'll wrap things up here on the Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Tom Offerman and Jacob Reck of the Steelers Standard in for the Steelers Blitz crew today, wrapping things up here before we hand things off to the drive. Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson have you all the way up until 5 here on SNR, but Jacob... I wanted to get into the secondary. Oh, yeah. A lot's riding on the secondary this year. We know Minka Fitzpatrick's a stud, but beyond that, there's a lot of question marks out there. You miss, you know, your your legit number one, Joe Hayden, who's been there for several years now, as oh. he is still a free agent and doesn't look like there's any sign that he'll be coming back to Pittsburgh at all. So there's a lot riding on those corners this year. Uh, Levi Wallace was someone that they brought in in the offseason to help, you know, fortify that unit hasn't really been able to see a lot of field time because of an illness that he's been working through. Good to see him start to work his way back yesterday, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the football gods giveth and taketh away because Levi works his way back onto the field. But as Tomlin reported in his post-practice presser, Cam Sutton did suffer an injury, got a little dinged up in his knee, and that's something that you definitely don't want to see. Uh, There's razor-thin spots across this entire roster for the Steelers, um, but I think the secondary is certainly at the top of that list. You don't want to see any of the big three, big four guys go down. So Sutton going down early, uh, not the best sign.
0: No, it certainly isn't because you talk about consistency and you talk about leadership, Weirdly enough, Cam Sutton, I think along that's a Nick, great point. Yeah, Terrell Edmonds are the most established guys on this team. I know Levi Wallace. Very sneakily, right? Like very right. sneaky
1: that they got to that. Considering
0: point. Considering he's only a true starter now, only in his second year, uh, only a starter for his second year in a row, after being on the team for some time in a in a, in a limited role, but in a, in a specialty role. Now he really has to take on that. Not to not he's gonna be the number one leader of this team, but he obviously has veteran status over a couple of other guys here. So it is a just a unique scenario that Cam Sutton finds himself in. But yeah, it's it's a it's a big blow, but I don't think that, that injury that I think Tomlin labeled it as officially a lower body one. Yeah. Is anything to be too serious or, or or too significant, but obviously you don't want to lose Cam for any extended time when You're working with a secondary who has overall not a ton of experience working together. Again, I I would say the three pieces that have been there are. Arminka, Minka, Terrell, and uh, and Cam Sutton.
1: No, It seems to me like a pecking order is already becoming established or at least they had a pecking order in mind going into training camp and as long as similar to the quarterbacks, as long as things went somewhat according to plan, that's what they would unveil as their top three and it was going to be a combination of Sutton, Wallace, and Nikella Witherspoon mm-hmm. I think at the top there. Uh, I think if you weren't going to go and dime, which I mean they pretty much are always in their sub-dime package now, it's become pretty much their standard base, but if you're not and you're just going to have two outside corners, I think think you're going to see cam sutton at one and Akella witherspoon probably on the other or levi wallace i think there's a battle there uh but then for the most part you'll see cam sutton bumped into that slot where that's where he's made his bread and butter so sure. far in the nfl that's where he's been at his best and i think from training camp so far you know reading bob labriola's practice reports hearing uh from you know our esteemed insiders like yourself jacob who have moved into st vincent college and have seen practice every day He's doing a lot of good work in the slot. He's breaking up a lot of passes in the slot. And in today's NFL, the slot-wide receiver is just a different breed, man. I mean, yeah, you still can have your Edelman-type guys, your Renfros, but... You got Debo Samuels that you got to deal with in the slot now. You got a DK lining up in the slot. Hopefully for the Steelers, you see a a freak like Chase Claypool lining up in the slot. It's, It's a lot more of a bear of a position to take on is that slot corner role. So if you have someone that's, you know, towards the upper echelon in the NFL, that's just such a huge bonus. So... The fact that he's going to be able to bump back into his more natural position into that slot role for the most part for this defense is is huge. Just hope he can stay healthy. Hope he overcomes this injury really quickly because I think that out of all three of them, he's probably the best at what he does. And I'm speaking of Witherspoon, Wallace, and Sutton. Him in the slot is probably the best out of you know Wallace on the outside, Witherspoon on the outside, or whatever.
0: No, I I think you're absolutely right. It's just to be in... And a year where I think so much will we'll hang on the secondary to step up because we know that the run defense struggled last year, and we know the pass defense was, what, a top-12 unit last year? But with significant changes coming from Joe Hayden's departure right. and Levi Wallace's arrival, you, you, you kind of don't want the defense to lose a step. However, you're losing a true quarterback one, and you're bringing in a guy who was a quarterback two to kind of be your quarterback one. So it's, it's I don't, going- is there
1: really a cornerback one? Like, do you think there is one, or is this more of like a let's get three twos in a room and see if we can committee this thing?
0: You know what? I I, I would like there to be one, and I think just by, I think just by experience that you have to say it's it's, it's Levi, Levi, yeah. Even though he has player known-
1: archetype though probably Witherspoon, right? Like his prototypical like mm-hmm. style of play and his potential seems to be like a number one.
0: Mm-hmm. But then, with all of those in mind, like. As you said, Cam Sutton being that specialist of being that slot guy, you you have no idea with this new, not like brand new looking defense, but semi-different semi, semi different from what it was last year, you you would say you're going to set yourself up best by putting Cam back in that slot. But if, if things unfold where you have to bring him out of that and make him a, a, a CB1 or CB2 that could possibly be an issue that you weren't expecting and and that could possibly lead your 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 secondary to take a step back from last year
1: I think it's important to note too that despite you know I just said I think there's a pecking order that's pretty much predeterminedly established with these top three corners. They are mixing in different guys. You know, you're seeing James Pierre get thrown in there. You're seeing Arthur Millett get thrown in there in different scenarios. So it's not exactly like the Steelers have this preconceived notion of our top three and that's our top three. They're certainly trying to see if anything else can stick to the wall. And I got to give them a lot of respect for that because I don't know if we've necessarily seen that kind of flexibility or that willingness to give a lot of guys a a legitimate run at a spot uh, in the past. I think, you know, they've had veteran teams in the past, so they've pretty much known the veteran pecking order. Uh, before training camp even started. So I, I, I really like to see the coaching staff working in guys like molette a lot. And who knows, maybe a molette flashes and all of a sudden he's your number four corner or if one of the other corners goes down, he can slide in seamlessly and, and you know you're not losing too much for a game or two when you have to have him play due to do injury. So there's a lot, again, I keep using this analogy of the cooks in the kitchen, but they've really done that in a lot of different position groups. And that cornerback room and that secondary is no exception to that.
0: Yeah, sure. I think you have a solid six guys at, at I, the yeah, corner I agree. that could not, I wouldn't say make a difference, but at least see significant playing time. And that's a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Just not unnatural, but just not seen as much, right? You you typically want to just go out with your top two guys and then bring in a third guy for a slaughter, maybe a fourth guy when you're going into to nickel or dime. So to have six guys who could see significant playing time, I think, could be advantageous to the Steelers, but it could also be that maybe clouding the problem that they have is that they don't really have, as you laid out earlier, they don't really have that that de facto number one guy.
1: Well, thank God for Minka in that secondary. <laughs> and, but but here's, it's a double-edged sword there, though, because he's so great at what he does, and he is an all-pro caliber safety, and he's going to cover up a lot of mistakes that are made. Not just for members of that secondary, but guys in front of him too. I mean, he led the team in tackles last year because he had to clean up a lot of the linebackers' duties because they weren't getting the job done as far as stopping the run is concerned. Um once again, we might have a scenario where the talent around him is less than and Minka's got to do too yeah. many different things and he can, he just can't be Minka. And you want Minka to be able to be Minka and, you know, now you've got him locked up long term. So maybe this is just another year where he's got to kind of stretch himself thin and cover for a lot of people as the Steelers build around him. And once they build around him, Minka enters his prime. He's free to do what he wants. He's free to do what he does best. But again... I, I love that he's back there. He's going to help a lot. He's going to cover up a lot of him. He's going to be a good deodorant for that secondary. But at the same time, you're going to stretch him out too thin again, and he's going to be, you know, having his hands in so many different piles that I worry that his impact won't be felt like it it naturally could be.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, a big, not un, a big criticism of, of him, but it was unfairly put on him last year. Was the fact that he wasn't able to be Minka, but that was because of the circumstances he was playing with right it wasn't because he's taking a step back as a player it was just I mean I remember going back to what was it week two when the Steelers were planning uh defensively against the Raiders and Darren Waller was obviously going to be their number one target and Minka had to to pull up into into the middle of the field to block or to to cover Waller and that left who was it Hunter Renfro get deep open uh for what a, a sixty or, or seventy yard touchdown, or maybe yeah. it, was, it was Henry Ruggs who did that. Rugs, it was Rugs. But Ruggs, that, yeah. I mean, that that is why Minka. I think you could say had, I wouldn't call it a down year. I mean, sure he didn't make the first team All Pro, but he wasn't terrible. But he just wasn't able to do Minka like things because of the, what what the team was asking him to do. So you would just really hate to see if the absence of of Joe Hayden, if if I think that's, In my mind, that's one of the biggest question marks. How well can Levi Wallace come in to fill that Joe Hayden hole? And I guess people could ask, well, was there really much of a hole left by Joe Hayden? Some people would say yes. I mean, he was a veteran, but others could say no because he was getting older, he was getting slower. I think it's whatever you interpret it as, can the defense do enough to allow Minka to be Minka this year compared to last
1: well, that's going to do it for us today here on Steelers Blitz. Appreciate yes, you guys letting the Steelers Standard crew sit in for you for the past two hours. We're handing things off to Dale Ollie and Matt Williamson for the, the drive on SNR. They'll be taking you from 2 to 5. And remember, folks, Friday Night Lights is tonight, so if you're headed up, make sure you get there around 5 o'clock when the gates open. Autograph session starts at 7. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opferman. Thanks for listening for the Steelers Blitz right here on SNR. Getting ready to take
0: on spring?